0: Greetings, everyone, and this is a very special, impromptu Friday night conversation. I have the honor of being joined by Ashley Marie Preston, editor-in-chief of Wear Your Voice magazine. Um, Thank you so much for taking time, because I know you're super busy right now, but thank you so much for taking a little bit of time to to chat tonight. Um, I appreciate you. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, So one of the things that I had just really been struck by since I started following you, since we became friends on Facebook, is just the 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 veracity with which you approach not only you know different issues happening within our current political and social landscape but you know really being able to 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 advocate for your position regardless of you know, whether or not the people in the surrounding environment agree with you. And a lot of people might think that, oh, well, that's what you're supposed to do. You know, we are living in the times we live in. But there are still so many people who aren't really willing to put it out there and stand up for issues that matter for themselves, for other people. But but you seem to just go for it. Um, you know, most recently I, I've, I've watched you challenge um, Charlemagne the God from Power 105's The breakfast club um, and 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 uh, Caitlyn Jenner. Um, how do you how do you you know how do you do that? Like like there are certain people who will say, Oh yeah, that's bad, oh well. How do you, you know, take that strength to 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 not just stand say, I stand for this, but to really challenge uh people head first and, and, and on these positions or issues where they're 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 messing up? I think
1: it's really about just remembering the shoulders of the giants that you stand on. Mm-hmm. Um we have a framework and oftentimes we find ourselves recreating the will, and we don't have to. Everyone who is not a wealthy, rich white man in America has benefited from radical activism and from people that have thought outside the box and took steps that were often um, without absolute guarantee, but that's the difference between life and death. I feel like a lot of people have the privilege of kind of being uh, moderate, or mm. neutral, or they can hang out on the fence for a little bit and kind of watch it all go down. But I feel like as someone that's impacted by multi-tier marginalization, because I'm black, because I'm a woman, and because I'm a black trans woman, I don't have that option. It's it, it's life or death for me. So um, I just kind of, I recognize that the fact that I'm still here and that I haven't been uh, impacted um, in the way in which I could for being a Black trans woman, I recognize that it's my social responsibility to advocate for those who can't advocate for themselves.
0: That that last part, of what you said about advocating for those who can't advocate for themselves and feeling it's your social responsibility, that is something I think that is just so important for so many of us, you know, even though we may have these these intersections or these points where, you know, there are uh, there is a point of marginalization or we have, you know, experienced some type of, you know, uh, oppression in the situation, but acknowledging that because of other factors other things in our lives, that we do have an opportunity that other people similarly situated possibly do not have and and certainly you know with 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 your you know foot in the world that you you work in um, and, and and as editor in chief of not just you know any magazine of you know such a crucial magazine that is providing um, commentary and voice in a space where oftentimes you know when we're thinking about black and brown women when we're thinking about black and brown voices are not represented at all um you know well, we, um, i i think the yeah. other piece to that too is we're represented mm, but mm-hmm. it's,
1: a, it's a, a altered version of who we are mm, okay. we are shown and depicted through the lens of the cis male gaze you know what i mean and so we're taught how black women are supposed to be, or we're taught how trans people are supposed to be, or how women are supposed to be, or how you know people with uh, disabilities or people who have mental health challenges or and, and so we al- we continue to allow ourselves to see ourselves through other people's eyes. And what where your voice does is we actually allow people to self identify and for them to tell their own stories because no one can tell our stories better than we can.
0: I like that. Um just from some of the articles I've just been seeing where your voice articles popping up in all different types of groups and stuff lately. Just just it just seems like um I had never really heard of it before and then now I'm just seeing articles everywhere like and I think that 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 effort to make sure people are telling their own stories, their own voices, as it affects them in the world that we're living in right now is resonating. Um, I was actually looking at a STEM group for my daughter earlier, and I saw where your voice article dropped in there. And I was like, Oh, cool. I know this magazine. Um, But but, you know, how do you deal with though some of the maybe pushback or criticism that you've experienced, you know, recently, particularly like in this past month with the with the confrontation or, I guess the accountability session i would say that you had with caitlin jenner um at an event um you know there have been there are issues with her politics and, and other things that are problematic i mean we do have people who are so-called allies to our communities to our movements who do then go back to their own, you know, ivory towers and and, and exist in their, their own, you know, space. How do you handle, you know, challenging, but also dealing with that other pushback that comes from people who aren't willing to occupy the space the same way you are?
1: If you don't make enemies along the way, you're not fully speaking the truth at the end of the day i'm not doing it for the people that are in their feelings i'm doing it for the people that are actually impacted and i think i'd rather have a couple of people not agree with me and feel some kind of way um and then go check my inboxes and have all of these people that are saying, thank you so much for saying what I wish I could say, but right now I'm in an economic uh, unstable place and I can't afford to say this or lose my job, or I can't afford to challenge you know, these ideas and um, and these forms of oppression in which I'm directly impacted by. And so to know that there are people in, in a position of privilege who can speak out against that that's what's up. And I know that I've been giving that. The other piece um, is that um, I think it's, I don't know. I just, I, I, I'm unique in that. I remember growing up, it used to get me a lot of whoopings. I used to get in a whole lot of trouble because I would say things and my mom would be like, you don't say stuff like that. Like that's, you know, or, or that's an adult or that's, you don't challenge that. But I've always been a challenger. Mm -hmm. I've always been someone that's not afraid to speak my mind and say what it is. Um, And I think that there was a time in my life where um, I think I was waiting for my tribe and I was waiting for somebody to speak the contents of my heart, never realizing that I could be that first person and that I could create that tribe and I could lead it. And so that's where I think a lot of my activism and a lot of my work comes from is being in the space where i know i i can't be the only one who feels the way that i feel and i can't be the only one who thinks the way that i think and who's had the same experiences that i've had so part of uh finding your people is kind of sending up that you know sending up that bat signal you know just to let people know that you're out there and so what where your voice does in my own personal activism and my own um own projects and different things that i do is it's an opportunity to allow people to identify, creating that space for them to do that. Because as you pointed out already in traditional media and in most other uh, mainstream spaces, we don't see ourselves. We don't hear people speak in a narrative that we relate to.
0: I absolutely agree with that. And I think something, just to go back to something you touched on you know, just a few minutes ago, when you just said we are, it's not an issue of representation as much as it is how we're represented and who's representing us and how it's being filtered through mm-hmm. a lens, I think you said, of cis white gay men. And I think that was just really...
1: what's well, cis men because... The hear- cis
0: men period, right? Like, Yeah.
1: yeah. It's because um, it's about ownership. Mm. You know, we talk about slavery and, and instantly we think about our roots and, you know, kind of like the field slave and kind of some of the atrocities that happened in that era, but we don't acknowledge the slavery of, you know, and the ownership of our identity. You know, the fact that our people continue to profit off of our pain and oppression, and they continue to own our stories and own our experiences. And um, I think 2017, about taking back our power and not, and recognizing that we don't have to be complicit in the further marginalization of ourselves and of our respective communities.
0: Absolutely. And I just I was just thinking when you were saying that and what you just said is just just even kicked it up another notch about not being complicit in further marginalization of our own communities is so serious and so strong. I mean, there was a recent um, I guess polling was just recently done showing like Black women's confidence in the Democratic Party has been waning. And and I know folks are jumping all over that, like, yeah, Democratic Party sucks, but it's not just just, you know, whether Democrats sucks, Republicans suck. It's about our own value and worth into systems that we put so much time and energy and and work, right? Like these, there are systems that are literally built on our backs. There are movements built on our work and on our backs. And unfortunately, black women and particularly black trans women are are not seeing any of the support in exchange oftentimes or not seeing any of the, the rewards, not that we're in this for a reward, but at the same time when you put so much into something to at times not get much or anything out of it, you start to reevaluate your situation, your scenario, and whether or not you're even, your relationship to other people and other, other factors. And, And I was just wondering, you know, just kind of, just what you thought about this, about how we are, you know, to 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 use um, Maxine Waters, reclaiming our time, reclaiming our power and our space in this moment, as we're really carving out, you know, how to move forward and what that looks like.
1: We need to bring ourselves fully into every space that we enter. That's really where it's at, whether you choose, I know one of the biggest arguments was that some people were like, oh yeah, you know, and it wasn't many people, but going back to Caitlyn Jenner, they were mm-hmm. like, well, so what are you saying? You can't be um, a trans woman and be a Republican. And it's like, you could do whatever you want to do, but you have to be prepared for the consequences that come with the decisions that you make Mm -hmm. and be ready to take accountability for your actions. Um, And so when we talk about party lines and when we talk about, you know, I believe this, I believe that, I voted for Bernie, I voted for Hillary, I, you are to be loyal to your own flesh before anything else. And I think that that's the problem that we as the African-American community have had historically, is that we continue to put all of our eggs in the other baskets, hoping mm. that we're going to be able to benefit from white privilege. And it's the biggest delusion and uh, it is the biggest delusion ever of all time you're never going to be able to access that level of privilege. It doesn't matter what um, college education you have or how much money you make or who you marry or whose baby you have or who. At the end of the day, there's always historically, globally, been that battle and that struggle of trying to find validation and worth in a world as a black person in a world that's anti-black we talk about anti-blackness but it's global and it's historical you know and so i think that when we start lifting each other up instead of allowing ourselves to be weaponized against one another we'll begin to realize that we have more power than we think which is why the system of of divide and conquer is in place and it's so successful you know when you look at the field slave and the house slave dynamic and making one feel they have a level of uh, false privilege over the other, and the ways in which it, it brainwashes us. And it makes us think, and then we start to play into these, respectib- uh, these respectability politics that are only for the respected.
0: <laughs> you, we're not respected. <laughs> we're not respected. So, So, yeah, you got to give respect to get respect, too. And oftentimes there's just this expectation that we're just supposed to do, 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 you know, that all get worked out some other time. And it's like, no, we keep saying next time, next time, later, later. But we literally are expecting, you know, those of us that do exist in certain marginalized spaces to keep putting it on the line always. And I think you said it perfectly. We're always putting our eggs in other baskets and thinking that somehow some of that white privilege is gonna trickle down. And for some people it does, right? It might a little bit, they they think it does anyway, but it doesn't come far enough. But at what cost, cost? absolutely. Because none of us, until all of us are liberated, Mm -hmm. none of us
1: are, none of us are. And that's what happens is that people get just the taste, just the sample, just the crumbs that fall from the table and all of a sudden they're okay. And then we're no longer aware or conscious of the other ways in which we continue to be oppressed and the way that the bar is lowered, you know, so it will touch us eventually, whether it's today, it's tomorrow, it's next year, you know, it will get us, you know, this is, I've been talking a lot lately about the Holocaust and even like Germany and how, you know, there were Jewish people who were, um, they were not, Eastern Europe was like the terrible part, you know, kind of like what they would have called the hood. And, you know, we're not like those Jewish people. We're different. We're educated. We're business owners. And when it all came tumbling down, they were the first ones to get got together. They were the first ones because they were the closest. They were the most accessible and they were the biggest threat because they were going after something that was um, that many felt wasn't theirs. Just like what we're looking at with the social and political climate right now. What we're facing with Donald Trump and the White House is just retaliation because we had a Black family in the White House. <laughs> they don't wake up and get that. This is retaliation because they had to watch a black family get up and walk in and out of the white house for eight years without
0: scandal without anything. And when, when nothing you could say, you know, I mean, whether people have valid criticisms or critiques, you know, policy wise is a whole nother story, but, but all the, but all the egregious issues that, that were alleged against the Obamas, right. And the way they dogged them. I mean, yeah, like people would literally, the smoke would literally come out their ears and stuff when, when they would mention them, there were people who refused to call him president. I mean, it was, It was astonishing. So it's, it's, and then we get this buffoon, right? Like people would, would would talk about how Obama's not qualified or whatever the, the, the the irrationality of some of the statements that were made about him by certain factions, certain individuals who now have to sit here and watch this buffoon in the White House. Now, I mean, when he, when he, what is it? He called, uh, uh, you know, Kim, the, 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 the head of North Korea rocket Rocket man this week,
1: (laughs) it's it's unfortunate because historically these world leaders mm-hmm. aren't the ones who suffer the consequences for their enormous egos Absolutely. it's the people who do it's Absolutely. us people. i wish we can do this like 1985 and have they ass go out in the backyard and fight it out you know what i mean take that out back y'all handle that that has nothing to do with us literally the,
0: nothing to do with us and mean, it's, no go ahead
1: it's just it, it's just really unfortunate because um, there's this thing and there's this distraction game, like this optical illusion mm-hmm. of it all. Like the, uh, some of the trickery and the and the politics and the back and forth and the fact that we've never in my lifetime at least had a president that co-signed white supremacy. And that was what I meant when I was talking about them being mad about the last eight years is that we had a black president who was intentional, whether people agreed or not with how it was done, was a lot more intentional about being inclusive Mm -hmm. of all Americans.
0: Mm -hmm. That was
1: a threat to everything the white supremacy built.
0: I think it's really interesting when we note that, right, about how, you know, Donald Trump has, it's it's not even clearly, it's not even, like, dog whistling. It's not, because, you know, we've seen some of that in previous, you know, years with folks, you know, the little, you know, people might say a little line that could be interpreted, or might, they might do a photo shoot someplace that could be interpreted a certain way or read, you know, to send a signal. But he's just blatant out in the open. He was that way through this whole cycle. And it was, I don't know i think the only thing that really like surprised the only thing that surprised me was how many people who were surprised that this was how he was going to act people like i remember when russell simmons penned the op-ed talking about like how appalled he was and i'm like dude you talked about how this was your friend all these years how did you all Like you, so did you, this goes back to what you were saying, at what cost do we ignore certain things to get ahead? Because there are so many people, there are so many people who are quote unquote on our side who did socialize with him, who did interact with him for decades, right? And then now he has risen to become president. And part of how white supremacy not only thrives and festers and is now blatantly, openly, once again, running the country, it's because people provide cover for it or make excuses or he's just an eccentric, you know, billionaire, millionaire, whatever, whatever he is, right? Or he's just this or ha 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 ha, whatever, you know, what's it hurting when in fact there there, you can document and see where he has intentionally tried to hurt people people um, from the Central Park Five and the, the big ad that he ran back in the in the 80s um, to the housing discrimination. I mean, you know, to his awful business deals. I mean, and let's not even talk about, you know, the stuff with women and sexual assault and things like that. Like there are so many different things that we we ignore. I mean, we can move away from Donald Trump and mention R. Kelly. There's so many different people that get excuses made for their really egregious behavior. If they were an average person, they would be under a jail someplace. And and that we've seen in some way how that has backfired now because this idiot is sitting in the White House.
1: He's in the White House because America didn't get the president they wanted. We got the mm-hmm. best. We got the president that was the best reflection and representation of who we truly are as a society. Donald Trump just raised up the rug and just let it all come crumbling out. Mm-hmm. That was the thing. We have to stop pretending like we're this amazing, free, beautiful, gorgeous, inclusive country when we were built on the backs of slaves. It was all about genocide and slavery and all of that. And no, and historically, we don't even have the capacity to tell the truth in history books. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. In our institutional institutions, you know, about what happened, who we are, and how we came to be. And so... I think that the reason why he's in office is because we can't come together because there are so many different forms of lateral oppression in America. So it's like, yes, I'm a black person and I'm championing black rights just as long as, you know, it ain't no faggot. I ain't with that faggot shit. Pardon my language. We got to say it.
0: <laughs> you got to keep it real though because that's a real no, issue we got yeah, right I now.
1: Yeah, it is about being a woman. But if you were born male, you're a man, you're not a woman. So that's different. You know what I mean? And so when we start making excuses for our own phobias and hatred, Mm -hmm. we can't expect for us to all be able to come together to support one common um, idea or democracy when we can't get our stuff together at home. And that's where it starts. Donald Trump, we all, as a nation, gave a piece to, to, we contributed to his presidency. You know, Mm -hmm, any any kind of, um, any kind of bias, any kind of um, discriminatory belief or ideology, or whether it's through the church, whether it's anti-LGBTQ, lateral oppression is the reason why Donald Trump is in office.
0: I think, and what you just said too, just keeping it all real like that, like, and it's not even that people have to be perfect, right? It's not that you have to be perfect, peace, and love, loving everyone, but at least acknowledging, you know, where your missteps to be learning to be better, right? Because I'll share this with you because I have, I've, I've shared this publicly before. Like, I had to learn, Right and my first instance of being in a situation where you know people part of introducing yourself in a space everyone was asked to give their pronouns i had never had to do that before and it wasn't until that experience that i learned how much of a privilege even that was right and so i i did it and i was just like well whatever i was like well you know the way i grew up i've never had to do that blah blah blah. i made all these i made all these excuses and folks were in the room were mad But at the same time, there was a brother who took the time, even though he was upset with me, to explain why that was problematic. And I'm someone that thought I was always someone who was a good ally. Like, I believe, you know, people are entitled and, you know, we should respect everybody and everyone has equal rights and blah, blah, blah. But it wasn't until I had a situation like that that shook me and made me come to face something that I was doing out of ignorance that was impacting other people in the room. I'm like, man. And so that really knocked me back because here I am thinking I'm this really great advocate and ally and champion and stuff like that. And so that really knocked me back. So I really have to step back and just listen sometimes and learn because no matter how, you know, well-evolved we think we are, we still have a lot to learn and a lot to process. And that experience.
1: It's constant. It you is. Know, experiences are always evolving. And the thing is, it's nothing wrong with having a learning, uh, mm-hmm. learning it's when we're faced with those opportunities to grow and evolve, and we mm-hmm. deny, reject them.
0: Absolutely, and
1: there are people that consciously reject ideas, and they know in their heart of hearts that it's not the ethical thing, it's not the morally conscious thing to do. It's not, but they don't care.
0: Right, <laughs> right, right. Well, they just want to brush it aside because they want us all to be united because Trump is so evil, especially like right now, right? Trump is just so awful. None of that other stuff really matters because that's divisive and we all just got to come together. And that's what I found was so interesting in the pushback you were receiving, going back to the Caitlyn Jenner situation for a moment, because... What you were directly challenging was hypocrisy on her part in terms of the it's like you said, it's not that you can't, you know, have the political beliefs or views that you have, but you're going to be accountable and responsible to people and you're voting, you know, you're supporting someone in a manner that is directly antagonistic to my very existence yeah. and ability well, to that live.
1: It's almost like, and then by giving money to like trans organizations, like it's gonna be okay. First of all, some of these philanthropic efforts are nothing more than a racket scheme, because there are, it's a way to get out of paying the taxes that you're already not paying as a rich person and as a part of the 1% in America. So, a lot of this shit is check fraud and going from there even to the fact that you continue to capitalize off of the trans community and, and turn us into like a social experiment and an extension of the Kardashian brand. Like we, nobody signed up for that. And so I think that what my biggest problem with that was that you have assigned yourself as the gatekeeper of the trans movement And um, she somewhat co-opted it. So she's like the Christopher Columbus of trans identity. You sailed your ass over here and started speaking on behalf of all of us as a spokesperson. And then, you know, you're speaking like live stream all the way from your beach house in Malibu. That's not that's problematic. That's problematic. And then when people actually tell you like, hey, you know, this is sensitive, you get Mm -hmm. indignant start like turning up and it's like that was that was what that was about. I think that the biggest uh, reveal that we got to see from that experience was not Caitlyn Jenner getting dragged. I I, I had to be very clear that I was not there to educate her. I was there to deliver the consequences. I was there to inform her that her free trial had uh, had expired. And so beyond that point, we got to see the ways in which people of color were weaponized against other people. Absolutely. Absolutely. Even one of my closest friends, black trans woman, you know that people saw that too in the video, and I'm just kind of like, why are you kind of like stepping in front of a moving bus mm-hmm. to defend somebody who won't give a fuck about you once the tire marks are left across your forehead? They're not going to care.
0: And and people need to and let's just be honest. There are I've read different accounts from folks, you know, from 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 trans women of color about you know, her attitude towards them once the cameras have been gone, you know, whether it's, you know, not letting someone... I can't remember which sister it was, was talking about how she... The elevator. Yeah, the elevator. Yes, yes, she yes, yes. The
1: one. And guess what? She came for me. In fact... Did I she? On, yes, she did. I put her on black. <laughs>
0: she put a Facebook
1: status talking about... Um, she was like, well, I don't care Some, some, something. if somebody runs up behind me and does this, 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 and she was being all extra. And so somebody sent me the screenshot and she had friended me. So somebody sent me the screenshot. Mm-hmm. So I did a status and was like, you ain't gotta be destiny's child to say my name, sis.
0: <laughs> no, I out. saw that. that I, was didn't, I didn't make the that connection. Oh, that wow. But I've seen, oh, but I've seen there are so many accounts. She has been protested before, but this is a problem we have across these spaces, period, right? Like we have these people who do act as gatekeeper voices. They suddenly woke up and now they're hip to the movement and, and it's, a, it's a new platform for them, but this isn't just a platform. Like you're cosplaying at our real lives. And, yes. and, and, and this is like, you know, I mean, I remember when she was, because she, she, she would go and talk, I remember when she finally got pushed and she started saying the names of Black trans women who had been killed. Um, and I was just sitting here like, you well, know. They had to... cue
1: cards. And they hey. had cue cards, Oh, yeah,
0: the wow. They had cue cards
1: and screen pompers and she still couldn't get them all. You know, it was one of those like two out of five. Like you know, this,
0: It's just this sick obsession we have with, it's the same reason why we have Donald Trump as president, partly, right? This sick obsession we have with, with celebrity and how like, oh, wow, isn't it great because they said something today. And it's mm-hmm. like, what does that matter when there's so many people that are actually struggling day to day that it's great that you did this great spread and you're on the cover of this magazine and you're speaking and everyone loves you. Unfortunately, for a lot of women, period, that's not our reality. Particularly if you're a trans woman living in America, and if you're a Black trans woman living in America, right? Like, like there is a disconnect there. And so, what I appreciated, even though it's not necessarily my experience, but I I still appreciate and could understand putting someone like you said, like this is your notice because you've you've been using us long enough and we done. It's not yeah. it's not happening anymore. And that's why I was For like, time. ooh. And then you took TMZ on with the one two three knockout.
1: Yeah, and you know what this whole experience brought between her and Harvey Levin, here was the deal. We can't continue to go out and tell uh, would-be allies and the 1% and white folks and all these people how to treat us if we don't know how to extend that same uh, respect and dignity and love to our own community. We want to always make it about outside issues. You know, they, them. The thing is that a business or any kind of anything is only as good as its own inventory. Mm -hmm. So if we can't take our personal inventory as a community and have a strong, meaningful, internal discussion on the ways in which we continue to be a block to our own progress, we're not going to get anywhere. And I feel like most of the conversations that I've had to have, like deep, deep, deep um, spiritual ones are with other people of color who are unaware of the fact that they're being weaponized and they're being a puppet to the propaganda and they're continuing to play out that narrative that you know that oh you know that we can't stick together and we're this and we're that and no there's one we need to just do better and so i think what makes my platform so unique is i reach from the inside out i reach from i i i reach the surface of the wig and underneath <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean and so and people haven't seen that because usually it's one or the other you either have the stacy dashes who their full intention and the Amorosas and their whole intention is way off of. That's why they're do it. You know, they're, they're cooning for corruption. You know what I mean? But with me, it's a little different because it's saying I love you and respect you so much. I see you in your full entirety, purpose and potential, and I'm not settling for less.
0: Mm yes, you know, yes so
1: like Sir truth people talk about like uh, harriet tubman and Sojourner truth and these people that were these um these like radical uh leaders and but they don't talk about the times in which they were carrying pistols in the underground railroad like you know what i know you're tired i know you're weary i know you're afraid and i know that you know there's so much at stake but you need to come the fuck on and they got that gun you're going to walk and so that's what i give to my community black trans lgbtq it does not matter we have come too far there are too many people that have shed blood sweat and tears and there is so much at stake i am not here for the stupidity we need to do better
0: so no you're absolutely right and that's why i do appreciate you know your own individual platform how where your voice itself is you know building and growing Um, Because we do independent media platforms, those outside of traditional mainstream, you know, norms and values are so crucial and so Mm -hmm. important for making sure that these narratives, these conversations do get had and are being told. And we have to, to, like you said, we have to tell our own stories and we can't leave it up to something. And I I was so proud and so appreciative of the way you handled the TMZ back and forth nonsense and how they, they tried to handle you because... It is, it is definitely about self-determination and, and making sure our narratives are ours and not however, whomever, with whatever box or agenda they have are trying to construe it. And it's very rare that you can find people who are actually able to, in that scenario, control or flip it like that, like the way you did. If you
1: saw that girl in that video, they thought they was getting ready to get uh, shake and go tresses. That They thought they were getting ready. I was going to be on there like popping and, and, and singing Cardi B. Uh, I was getting ready to go on there and really go in. And they were, sh- you can see it, like, they were shocked. They were just like, who is the, we We were told we were going to get the girl from the video. You do have her, you know? And the thing is, there's a time and a place, you know what I mean? There's a time where you need to bring love, and there's a time where you need to bring uh, lashes, you know what I mean? Like, just get them right together you know what I mean you have yeah. so many quotables actually. <laughs> <laughs> I'm one walking soundbite
0: you do you do you do you do um but just thinking recently you were named one of Root's um top 100 uh most influential uh, um influential it just slipped my mind oh my god because I've been, I was like I was like I had it in my head but I mean I'm just like wow that's that's awesome <laughs> like how, so how does being included in that list of, you know, people, uh, um, how does that feel? I mean, I know like you don't seem like the type of person where this type of stuff like define you or it, it doesn't necessarily, you know, you're still going to get up and do what you've been doing regardless, but it's still, it seems awesome to be recognized um, for the reach and value that others are finding in your work.
1: It's interesting and powerful because Black trans women have to work five million times harder just to be seen, heard, and recognized. Mm. And I think it was a powerful um, it was a powerful experience um, to be acknowledged in that way by the African American community at large. Because you know, the African American hasn't all a community hasn't always been historically LGBTQIA affirming. Mm. Um, and so it shows that we're taking a step in the right direction when you have people like Root, uh, The Root, people like Afropunk, you know, these like African-American, uh, huge publications, which are like the equivalent of like Time Magazine for like everybody else, you know, that's huge. I think it means more coming from the African-American community than if it did from like the mainstream, um, uh, um, you know, publication. Because, um, it allows me to kind of tell my story. It makes people curious, like, how did you get on here? And it's kind of like, that's a good question, because I remember being the homeless meth-addicted survival sex worker that sat on the corner of Santa Monica and Highland at three o'clock in the morning, not knowing where my life was going to go, how I failed God, and what I did to deserve everything that was happening to me. You know what I mean? And so the powerful... um, piece of that and the, and the gift of that is, is that there's going to be a girl who's out there right now, mm-hmm. you know, uh, using a computer at a library or using a, a, a drop-in center computer or her cell phone, and she's going to be able to read about somebody that looks just like her, that experienced just the same exact thing she's experienced. And that they were able to come from that and still make a difference and still have a major contribution to unpack and to society as a whole. That's why I do it. And so I love when I get into these spaces that are designated for, you know, people who've abided by the laws of respectability politics. And then I get in there And then I just like let them have it and I'm who I am and I'm raw and I'm unapologetic and I'm, because what that's doing is making space for everybody else. Mm -hmm. And I think what happens is many of us get to a place where, you know, we've kind of made it. And so we want people to see us in a certain light, but I will never forget what my experiences have been. And I owe it to that girl from 2005 who was on Santa Monica Boulevard, who was sleeping behind big lots on Vine you know, trying to figure out what I was going to do or really just figuring out when it was all going to come to an end just so I can just be done, you know? And I would have, if I never in a million years would have thought, that I would be historically the first trans editor-in-chief of a national publication. I never would have thought that I would be recognized by the Route 100 as one of the most influential African-Americans in 2017. I would have never thought that you know Yahoo and all these like, major corporations would be reaching out to me to better figure out how to uh, be diverse and inclusive and like legit, not just like how can we market, but really how can we learn right. from you? You know, I never thought I would have been a part of Uh, Coca-Cola's Next Generation LGBTQ Leadership Series. And I I never thought that I would would be going to DC to this like international LGBTQ um, leadership conference. And, you know, all of these, just so many different things, you know? And so, yeah, that was a long (laughs) trip around um, really what it means to me. It means that I get to really um, expose other narratives and experiences that people often miss out on in these other spaces because everyone's so focused on trying to look good and impress folks it's not about impressing people it's I, really
0: about- I love it I mean and you're absolutely right because even going back still to the to earlier part of our conversation we talk about representation and the lens through which things are shown um, those are experiences because like you said because even if there are those people in these spaces the few who may be there they're not necessarily been. They've been been told they can't talk about that stuff the way you just did because you're not going to be able to make it. You're already going to have it hard enough. So 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 shh, don't don't talk about that, or, that. The only shot that yeah. we have at happiness is to conform to whiteness. Mm, mm-hmm. And
1: there's this kind of like evangelical, this pure, pristine kind of like thing that we put on whiteness. Like they're these amazing, like you know, angels, and they're perfect, and they're. And we're these dark, corrupt, unworthy, invalid, subhuman individuals. And it's like, we have to challenge that. And so we have to start saying that yes, you can be all of these things and you can still be that. And you can come from that and you can feel that way. And you can have these challenges and everything that you thought made you broken, unworthy and invalid are gonna be the things that solidify you and who you are, and they're gonna make you unbreakable and indestructible. And I think that 2017 is here for it. We're ready to start seeing more of these examples and hearing these stories and um, creating this uh, sisterhood and fellowship as a whole within our, our world, not just our country, we need to make this shit global, bring it all in, you know, that we're ready to like really just allow people to live and let live.
0: Absolutely. Well, Ashley, thank you so much for taking time. It's Friday. I know you've had a long week and you got so much more to go. Um, but I really appreciate it. this has been awesome. And, and I have, I'm just in awe, uh, not just because you know, you're an amazing person, but just just the candid way that you just you just share. Um, and just keep it real. Because again, like we talked about earlier, so few people, even in these moments that we're having right now are able to actually just do that just just acknowledge that we are in a watershed moment right now and we we do need people to lead from a very real, honest, human place and, and you do that. So thank you um, again.
1: <laughs> Definitely. We don't always understand it today, but we'll benefit from it tomorrow. And I think that if I could tell anybody anything, follow your heart and, and trust your gut and um, majority of the time, (laughs) our instance will never fail us. And I I just think that the more people continue to speak up, be unapologetic, and that they support other people too. um, Then we have a chance of really just making progress and moving forward.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much. And thank you guys for for tuning in and joining me impromptu Friday night. If you missed it, you can catch the replay when I post it up. Peace.